so first, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back here. I think I spoke at Next uh, six years ago, 2010. And I'd like to briefly tell you about my story. In the 80s, I was a hacker because that was the cool thing to be, and I was just discovering technology. It was amazing. I felt like the sky was the limit. In the 90s, I decided to become a journalist because I was reading so many stupid things. I said, okay, I went to see this guy, and he said, if you feel you're that smart, come and write for me, and I became a journalist, covering tech, the early 90s, the first internet boom. And then I became an entrepreneur. One day, I was interviewing a guy, and uh, I don't know why, it felt like my buddy, I was going out of my buddy, I was looking the scene from the outside, and I said, I want to be this guy. So I quit my job, and since then, I discovered that it's probably the only thing I, I love to do. So as an entrepreneur, I've always tried to have, to add a difference. I've, through NetVibes and also through Jolie Cloud, I've always tried to be doing something different. And by different, meaning um, offering alternative to consumers. The thing is, uh, as you were mentioning earlier, I'm kind of unhappy with, uh, and I don't know if you also feel that, being unhappy about what technology is, where it goes. Uh, Sometimes it feels a bit meaningless. And one of the reasons of that, I asked myself a lot, and I was, when I was doing Jolie Cloud, it was an independent cloud platform, is that basically the world is owned by four or five companies. They control our data. And for the app developer here, you might be very sensitive to that. They control the user experience. I mean, think about it. Today, the guidelines of Android and Apple define what we can, but also what we can't do. And it's really hard when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a visionary, to actually build on what you can't do. And also, they basically know everything before everyone else. And uh, this is kind of a big problem. Of course, we'd like this problem because, as someone mentioned earlier, we watch this all the time. We're basically tied to our phones. Uh, we created this relationship that is incredibly high. I mean, think about it. If you go out without your phone, you just feel naked. You have to go back. How many times did you have to go back just to pick up your phone? And the problem of this is that this relation is now dysfunctional because think about how much time we miss with phones. The way it's designed to capture our time to basically, you just go there, open your phone, and then something happens, it's like a tunnel, and like 10 minutes later, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot, I'm in the real world. I just got snapped into this time travel. And attention. Someone said that attention, basic information, cannibalize attention. And right now, we're overflowed by information. Our attention is extremely limited. And when I say extremely limited, maybe the attention of the world is maybe 30 seconds, that is the attention time of a baby. <laughs> and the problem about this is that we kind of think it's OK. And I used to be like that, like when I was working in Silicon Valley, everything, the next innovation is fantastic, everything is coming, it's amazing, it's amazing. Of course it's amazing, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not a technophobia, I'm not a Luddite. 
I love technology, but you have to look deeper. And when everybody goes in one direction and says, wow, this is the future, we should all do VR, we should all do this, we should all do that, I'm always worried because I like sometimes to think that there are other options. The thing about, you know, we were talking about artificial intelligence, and by the way, do you know why we call it artificial intelligence? Is that the original term was cybernetics, but cybernetics was uh, created by this guy called Norbert Wiener, and everybody thought he was an asshole. So when John Marcotti and uh, Marvin Minsky, the original founders of what uh, said, we need to do this new trend, but we don't want to call it cybernetics, because if we call it cybernetics, basically he's going to come to our conference and mock all of us. So let's call it artificial intelligence. The thing about this is that we can see it's ambivalent, because in one side, it should be a perfect match. I mean, artificial intelligence or machine learning, because I rather call it machine learning and artificial intelligence. There's no intelligence. This is kind of BS. It's going to be a struggle, because when you think about it, uh, our politicians had to deal with globalization. Globalization basically is simple. It's we made a middle class in China by destroying our blue collar in Europe and in the US. We basically destroy manufacturing job. And the next trend is going to do the same thing with the middle class. And when we think about you know, replacing jobs, that is still something that I'm, I have doubts. Because don't forget, large companies have the regulation, have a lot of things to delay the innovation. Uh, it's kind of a big struggle right at the moment. Trying to get deeper into this, when I wrote my article that I would love, uh, hope you will enjoy and write, I, I wrote it either on English and also it was translated in design. One of the things in technology, I mean, the impact that I saw on a daily basis was the, what I call the end of ownership. I mean, we don't own anything. I used to own vinyls, books, a lot of stuff. And the new generation doesn't own anything. And when you don't have anything, when you don't own anything, what do you have to lose? And that is a major problem, I think, today. The fact that we're constantly observing ourselves. I mean, think about it, the historian of the, the next 50 or 70 years will see our generation as, these guys were weird. They were like this, and they're taking photos of them all the time, everywhere. That is basically what we keep doing. And not only we produce photos, but now they're auto-destructed, so we don't even keep them. So it's kind of a weird behavior. Surveillance. It's perfect surveillance. The funny thing about it is that we fear it, but we desire it because basically we accept it. We want to be monitored. We want to be coached. We want to be advised by the machine, by whatever is behind the screen. And when I say that, I feel like you might think, I'm kind of grumpy, I'm getting too old, probably is, or I'm just crazy, you know? Who wants to, to go after the innovation? Of course, it's fantastic. The future is fantastic. The truth is, there's been an event, a tragic event in my life uh, last year in Paris during the, the attacks. I got most of my friends killed. I Barely, I was supposed to be there, and I, for some reason, my mom called me and I didn't go. And this is the kind of moment where everything you think about just switch. 
And um, I mean, it was a focal point for me. I've been thinking about this for years, but for the first time I was wondering, it's incredible. We live in a society that is modern. Poverty has been eradicated. If you look at the Millennium Goal from the UN, I mean, it's never been a better time. Less war than ever. We have access to the internet. We have education everywhere. It's possible to connect to everything, every knowledge in the world. And still, ignorance spread like a virus. People are even proud of being ignorant. You've seen what happened with the Brexit, you know, this country is tired of experts. Look at what's happening in the US, where basically you have people who are ignorant of, of the basic fact. I'm not talking about, you know, some extremely sophisticated, you know, content that you need to be a scientist or an expert to know about. The basic facts are being denied. This is crazy. I think that, the, of course, we're going in a, in a direction that is, in a way, very exciting, but we're also losing a part of ourselves. And my goal here is not to say technology is bad, innovation is wrong, but rather, what is the word we want to design? What is the world we want to live in? And this is an interesting question, because, because of the fear of missing out, everybody wants to go to the next trend. Think about it, the press. I used to be a journalist, and one of the major things about the press was having this fantastic journalist doing investigative journalism, looking deeper, and now it's all about these like, stupid titles that you read that are supposed to clickbait you, and then you just go there and you just, oh God, I just lost two or three minutes of my life with stupid information. There's nothing in the article. And that's not only, not only BuzzFeed, it's like big brands now. Everybody is getting there. Everybody is trying to catch up. And rather than catching up, they should actually get and reflect their inner self and thinking, what do I want to be in this world? I mean, we are taught now that innovation is the most important thing. But there's been studies that showing that just fixing up what exists can dramatically change the life of people. Look at it in the US. I mean, they're building Google, they're building Facebook, they're building Amazon. And have you been in the 101, see the quality of the road, seeing the quality of the streets, seeing the quality of the education, seeing the quality of a lot of things that are need, just need to be fixed. They don't need to be innovated, they just need to be fixed and working. And I think that it's important that we see the balance between these two things. Because today it's all about growth. It's all about growth. You have to grow, you have to be a growth hacker, you have to like, be huge but not every business has to be huge. Some of them will because of exceptional people, because they figure out not only how to target and figure out a core element of our life, but scale it to a level where we can, uh, everyone would use it. Look at Amazon, look at Google, look at Salesforce, look at all these companies. But think again, if we're not talking about startups, but food, what growth hacking means, what growth at all costs means. Is it something that you really like to eat? Is it something that you think would be uh, kind of appetizing? Or will it just be like just what exactly is happening right now with the food industry in some countries? 
basically we're producing crap massively, hoping that people will just eat it. In the food industry, there's been this trend of what we call a slow food. It actually started in Italy, it actually grew also in California in many places. I'm sure you have a lot, you're all aware of it. But it's going back to the quality of products, which we do. Uh, quality food is important, taking time. There's a trend of slow, a lot of slow, what we call slow living. There's a magazine in California called Kinfolk who says you have to reclaim time for yourself to enjoy life. But the thing is, to do something great takes time. It really takes time. You cannot come overnight success. And I think one of the worst things we did with this industry is pretending that you can be successful overnight just because you're lucky. You know, the CEO of Twitter said that an overnight success is like 10 years in the making and then suddenly you're getting noticed and everybody thinks you just started like yesterday. Producing great product or like great food, take great ingredients. And this is something very important. I mean, think about it. Now, uh, there was a study in the US showing that nobody's adding any more apps on their phone. Actually, uh, I've done this, and I'm sure some of you have already done that. I'm starting removing all this stuff because I have too many screens to, to follow. So if you really want to matter to the, to the user, to the customer, you need a great product. And great product is, is a secret sauce, but it's kind of well known. You just need a great team, great design, and it takes time. And love, it's an act of love. It's just not an act of business. If you really want to do something people will use on their daily basis, it has to be made out of love. We have to go through, you know, an enormous amount of information today, and we need to be reflective of what, as companies, as entrepreneurs, we want to build. And this idea of, you know, a slow internet, as you would say, not back to modem, of course, but rather like what the slow food movement or the slow living movement is doing in the US is going back to the basics, is you know, creating products that are meaningful, that we're happy to use, that respect our time, that respect our attention, that respect our privacy, that respects most of the things as human beings we would love to be respected for. Because if we don't do this, we're just opening a Pandora box, you know? Think about it. Society is not ready for massive disruption. If you think it is, you're wrong. Look at Europe. We were talking earlier about the rise of populism, what's happening in, in the Middle East with and what's happening in the US. They're all, of course, disconnected, but it's the same idea. I am not sure I want to live in a world dominated by machines that create a narrative where I feel, as a human being, useless. That used to be the, the, you know, the worker who said, well, I'm going to be replaced by robots, and now it's coming with the teller in a bank who's been going to be replaced by an app, and suddenly everybody is getting replaced. It's not even about being replaced, it's about how exciting it is for the majority of us to live in this world. And we need, uh, I mean, we really need to think this through. We need to think what kind of world we want to live, especially in Europe, where everybody is trying to copy Silicon Valley.
But I've been living in both places, and I know what I love about Silicon Valley, but I also know what I love about Europe. And it's also this ability, you know, to be grounded, to think about things deeper, education, culture, this vision of the world that is unique. And this is the vision of the world we need to bring and transmit to the next generation. And I don't really think at the moment it is happening. I mean, the governments are doing a terrible job in education, and in a way, the technology is not really helping us. I know that I'm almost finished. I will just go to this thing. This is what's at stake with technology, destroying our politics, our countries, everything we've built over the years. I would like just to give you that last sentence. It's a sentence that a bunch of cryptographers said in a, in a conference. They were talking about, we are cryptographers and we let the NSA, we let all this thing happen. We have a duty to pursue social good in our work. Thank you very much. I can follow the conversation here. <laughs>